Okay, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Nahmaduhu wa nasalli ala Rasulihil Kareem. Amma ba'd. We are expressing our praise to Allah and blessings on the Prophet, peace be upon him. And we're going to go through and you're going to teach me the Ma'arif al-Qur'an, Tafsir, on Surat al-Nas. Alrighty, the floor is yours. Cool. Um, so Surah Nas is the last surah of the Quran. Um, it is composed of six verses, and along with Surah Al-Falaq, the one that precedes it, uh, makes up what's called the Muad-Dathain. Yeah. Um, and so these surahs are known to complement each other. So throughout, um, as I speak, I'll probably be making a lot of comparisons because they're known to be put together like that. Um, but starting off, with, um, well, yeah, so the surah is used as a sort of like prayer, as asking for something. Um, so we'll be finding out who we're asking that from and what we're asking of them. Um, so with the first verse, we see, um, I seek refuge with the Lord of mankind. Um, and the word that's used is the word rub, which um, in contrast to, I think, the common understanding um, of the word Lord, it can sound kind of imposing in English, but it actually means the one who nurtures. Um, and so it implies this idea of like the supreme nurturer who is taking care of everything. Um, and specifically, it is the Lord of mankind, the Rabb um, of mankind, um, Nas. And so this is the Lord that takes care of and nurtures um, all of mankind. Uh, this contrasts um, Surah Al-Falaq because in Surah Al-Falaq we saw um, obviously I haven't covered that, but um, they, it talks about protection against like outside hardships. And this is, um, and be, as a result of that, like that could be talking, anybody suffers from outside hardships, right? Like even an animal out in the cold is suffering from hardships. But here we're, we're talking about something, a specific experience that only mankind has, um, which we will find more about later. Um, it's talking about um, those was, but uh, moving into verse two and three, we get two other um, names and qualifications because um, Lord is it enough. It's helpful to have more. Um, the first thing to understand is the fact that um, Lord isn't necessarily mean like a God of some sort. Um, you could have like a landlord, for example. Um, so to make it more specific, we get the word Malik, which means um, king. And again, we see the repetition of mankind. So the king of mankind um, the one who's essentially in charge, the authority, authoritative power. Um, and then after that, we also see the God of mankind, Illa, um, to understand that this, this king is worthy of worship. So um, each of these three uh, terms, names, is used to sort of build off of each other and um, emphasize this larger idea um, of protection. Um, because if you're the nurturer, then you're protecting you're caring for if you're the king then you're protecting and you're caring for hopefully um and if you're the god then you are also protecting and caring so it really just like emphasizes um similarly with like the sort of composition of the words um the word nas is repeated which is interesting because um in terms of understanding arabic the word um malikihim malikihim um should be used um, or would most commonly be used, but instead Nas is repeated to give it sort of a, a, a repetition to emphasize it and to also just give it like a more poetic feel. Um, 
which I think is important because when we ever reread um, mankind, it doesn't necessarily have like the same implications as if you're reading it in Arabic. Um, so that's the first section. Now we understand like who we're talking to. It's the God with these characteristics and these qualities. Um, but what we're asking, the second half of that um, goes into verse four and five. And it's from the evil of the whisperer who withdraws when Allah's name is pronounced is in parentheses. Um, and this is talking about, um, first of all, the whisperer who withdraws, um, which is sort of hyperbolic, uh, which re references to shaitan, we know because waswasa means um, like to whisper, it's like the infinitive. So like waswas is referring to shaitan in that way um, because shaitan whispers into our hearts to get us onto the wrong path. Um, the second part of that verse um, says kanas, and um, that comes from the word kanasa, which means to sneak or recede or draw away. Um, and we get this hadith mentioned um, that in our hearts, there are two houses and one of which is an angel and the other one is shaitan and he's sort of perched onto our hearts. And um, it's the remembrance of Allah that allows him to receive back and, um, and go away from us again. Um, so that's why it's important to remember Allah. Um, and we even actually find out that even the Prophet وسلم, has a shaitan that's assigned to him. Um, but of course, like Allah has helped him so that um, he is submissive to him. But even Allah or even the Prophet وسلم, has that experience, um, which I think is really important for understanding like the humanity of the Prophet, um, peace be upon him, and, and understanding like how we can see him as a realistic role model um, in some ways. Um, then verse six um, says something interesting. It says, whether from among the jinn or mankind. So we know who we're asking. We're asking God for protection. And we know what we're asking it for, protection from um, the evil whisperings. Um, but the last verse says, whether from jinn or mankind, which um, just, uh, wait, I lost it. Um, okay. Um, it just, emphasizes that um, this can come from like these like shaitanic shaitan oh my gosh <laughs> it can come from like shaitan the one that's like assigned to our hearts or whatever um, but it can also come from um, the doubts of people so from my understanding it looks like it was saying that there was two different types so like it could be people causing doubts in other people or it could be your own nafs or your like sort of soul kind of, um, that's influencing you. Um, and so there's a dua that's given to help you from that. Um, it talks about Ibn Kathir, who um, sort of reemphasizes the idea of those three names and um, how it's necessary to invoke um, God to for protection against um, shaitan. Um, it clarifies between uh, involuntary and voluntary thoughts as well. Um, I think it's really interesting because um, in the Ibn Kathir section, it talks about like how shaitan is, is against us, right? Um, and it says that he tries to destroy mankind in two different ways. So the first way is just to um, induce him to commit sins and just to just like be a sinful person. Um, but if he doesn't succeed in this, 
then the next step is to try to contaminate um, the acts of worship. And so that's by instilling um, amount of doubts and um, or arrogance or pride, um, which just corrupts the good deeds that are being done. So um, not sinning doesn't necessarily mean you're in the clear, basically. So like even after you've been able to take sin out of your life, um, obviously you can't really take all of it out of your life. But like if you're able to reduce your sin, then like there's a sort of insidious way that shaitan comes back um, even when you're on the right path. Um, uh, there's the story also mentioned uh, when the Prophet was with his wife um, and uh, he clarified to people passing by, he was like, no, we're married, like don't think the wrong way. And they were like, why would we ever think wrong of you? And um, we, we basically just see this idea that you should clarify um, what you're doing so that other people don't misunderstand, um, which is why it's it's not super good to like make jokes and stuff where you're um, implying bad deeds and stuff because um, it's just not a very pious thing to do. And um, I think it's really cool how like that kind of shows like the love that the Prophet peace upon him had for like his people and the Sahaba and stuff because he said I don't even want you to misunderstand not because that would really bring any harm to him. Um, but because it would cause them to sin, which I think um, is important for us to, like in terms of like how we see um, our fellow Muslims and even just people that are Muslim, um, wanting to help each other and make it sort of like a collaborative effort to make a better society. Um, after finishing the surah, it reemphasizes like the contrast between um, the two surahs of the Muad'dateen, which I mentioned earlier, um, by sort of drawing the contrasts and parallels. Um, but I don't feel super confident in that just because I haven't covered Surah Fulak yet. Um, but uh, something that I found really interesting was the difference between um, humanic and satanic enemies, which we saw in the Surah that there are these two different types of whisperings that can come from Shaitan or that can come from mankind. Um, so we get a lot of extra information from Ibn Qasir, who talks about how, essentially through a series of verses, explains that um, when you're dealing with human beings, you should be compassionate and you should um, deal with them as best as you can um, and try to do good actions and stuff to uh, like be able to handle the situation properly and not be corrupted or whatever. But when it comes to when it comes to shaitan, really the only thing that we can do is to seek refuge in Allah. Um, that's the that is the only solution. There's nothing that's going to get you out of that. Um, and uh, what's interesting is the contrast. If you fail to um, to hold yourself up against like a a, a person, or um, versus if you fail to hold yourself up against um, shaitan. Um, and so if like an enemy overcomes you in this life, it's like, yeah, you'll you'll lose and there might be or consequences of that. But if if you lose against Shaitan, it's an entirely different situation, right? Like you're gonna lose eternally, like literally, um, which I think is um, less of like a, a, it is scary, right? And I think that that's important that we have a level of fear at least because you should understand the gravity of that, of that struggle that you're facing against Shaitan. Um, and, but, um, you shouldn't be super worried because we read in the Quran that, um, the guile, guile of shaitan is feeble, 
which basically just means like he's not that smart like he really like once you get him figured out he has like three different tactics in his book and um unfortunately a lot of people fail against those but once you figure it out if you continue along the path then you should be able to succeed so ultimately like i mentioned before this is the last surah and it sort of ties up the quran um if we see like in surah al-fatiha it um says that um you know it's a an invocation it's asking for guidance right and we know that surah al-baqarah opens out saying this is the book this is the guidance um in a way this sort of ends by saying you know after all this guidance ultimately you will be um tempted by shaitan and i think that um, obviously like the quran was put together in the prophet sallallahu's lifetime um but i think that there is some wisdom in the order because we see it ending with um the understanding that there will be temptations both by shaitan and from mankind itself and from within ourselves and that the ultimate um way to find success through that hardship is through Allah. Oh, and then in the conclusion, the guy apparently finished down his birthday. I think that's cool. So like that'd be a good birthday present to yourself. Very good, mashallah. Okay, excellent. And so so summing up everything that you're saying, Surah An-Nas is a prayer for protection against uh your you're seeking refuge or protection with Allah. from from the feeble guile of of shaitan and so shaitan's primary technique is waswasa and which is basically just to, to whisper things into you and so on the one hand just like you pointed out he's trying to whisper temptations or take advantage of your temptations to get you to incline towards doing wrong and on the other hand it's when you're doing right to get you arrogant about those things Oh look I mean my prayers look I fast right um as well as to distract you in your prayers and such and and so so he basically that's his 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 main technique fundamentally it is to distract you or to inflame some feelings in you and then how do you protect yourself with these surahs in this in abbreviated version of these surahs is literally to say a'udhu billahi minash shaitan rajim So just like pull a'udhu birabinas this is a'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajim and i seek refuge with allah from the accursed uh, satan very good so then for next time inshallah uh, or did you have any questions about any of this yeah um first we know that the Quran was put together I mean as I mentioned like after the prophet Solomon's life like how was that process like gone about so so the order of revelation is different than the order of 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 the text of the Quran right that's now the prophet himself put it in the order that we have it So as he's receiving more revelations he's assigning where does this all go. And so that whole process is completed while he's still alive. But then it's after he dies that it's put into book form. And and so uh while he was alive he had secretaries who were writing you know what he was receiving but the primary method of preservation then and now was still memorization. Yeah. yeah. under Abu Bakr he was the khalifa he was the leader at the death after the death of the prophet peace be upon him 
And Omar convinces him we need to write down the whole thing because many of the Hofaz, many of the people who had the Quran memorized were dying off. And so Abu Bakr finally gets convinced. At first he resists because the Prophet didn't do it. And he assigns Zaid, who is one of the secretaries of the Prophet, peace be upon him, Zaid bin Sabit, to write it all out. Zaid refused for the same reason, but then he was convinced and he had to obey the leader. And he said, if you told me to move a bunch of mountains, that would have been easier than to write this all out. Because just imagine how huge the responsibility yeah. is. Yeah. And so, so he writes out the entire text and that's completed before Abu Bakr dies. And Abu Bakr dies two years after the death of the Prophet, peace be upon him. So the whole Quran was written out and the order we have it today within two years after the death of the Prophet, peace be upon him. And then we jump forward after Abu Bakr dies, Omar becomes the Khalifa. And then after Omar, then Uthman becomes the Khalifa. And now we have this whole giant Muslim empire. And there was a need to standardize the script. And so that happens under Uthman. And so what we have today, we often call it the Uthman text, or the Uthmani text. That's basically it. Any other questions? Um, not a question, but something that I didn't mention. Um, when it was talking about like corrupting like good deeds and stuff, it had this word dissimulation, which when I looked it up was like, like doubts essentially like think if that makes sense do you have an explanation of that word because i don't want to i really identified with what i found but i don't know if i understood that properly yeah so so the idea here is that uh when you are doing good deeds what does shaitan want you to do uh, a couple of things one shaitan wants you to reduce the good deeds that you're doing and also wants you to get arrogant about the good deeds that you're doing. So it's sort of along those lines. Um, it's to get you basically not to appreciate what you're doing and not to appreciate what you're avoiding. Make sense? Yeah. Um, there was one section that I did not understand it was on page 928 at the top it was talking about like the youth and the old age and the oh so so basically you know it goes and so rub that nurture relationship is sort of how uh uh a child looks at a parent okay yeah right and then as you're growing, Malik is king and owner. And so now it's like you have the sense that you have a boss you have to listen to. Mm. And then even more mature is when you reach the point of appreciating that you have a God you submit to entirely. Gotcha. And so some commentators will say like, Rab Malik Ilah is also illustrating the, the growth of a person in terms of their intellectual uh, maturity. And so the way the devil will try to get at you is when you're younger to try to get you to disobey your parents, right? And then when you're a little bit more mature to get you to disobey your boss or your bosses. And then when you're more mature to try to get you to disobey God. 
and waswasa is also interesting because like sometimes it'll be translated as the withdrawing whisper or the stinking whisper. So think of the way shaitan whispers, the way the, the tongue of a snake sticks out and goes right back in. And so that's how he whispers into your heart. He doesn't want you to realize that the, the, the idea came from shaitan. So anytime you have a negative idea, it's more than likely coming from shaitan. And what he wants you to do is fixate on the idea. You know, like that's basically like, you know, a pre-social uh, media version of doom scrolling. Are you okay there? Did something break? Yes, I am. I forget about that. So, yeah, so so his so he wants you to doom scroll, right? Because he wants you to be miserable, but he especially wants you to doom scroll in your mind. So try to plant a negative thought and get you to fixate on the negative thought, and then get you to go further and further down the rabbit hole of consequences of that negative thought. You know, what if I um, what if I submitted my homework but the professor doesn't see it, and then what if uh, uh, professor doesn't see it? Then what if I don't get a grade for it? What if I get a zero for it? And then what if, blah, 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 what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, that's exactly what Shaitan wants you to do. Um, something that I saw, like, was, or that I've always kind of been curious about is, like, what we attribute to be Shaitan and what we attribute to be, like, nafs. Yeah. Uh, which I'm sure is probably a much larger conversation, but um, it was just something that I was thinking about. So if we could talk about that. No. Yeah, sure. So, so your nafs is, like, 70 Shaitans. And, and we know it's a thing because we know shaitan is locked up in Ramadan. Do people stop sinning in Ramadan? Obviously not, right? And a subtle way to tell the difference between the whispers of shaitan versus the, the desires of the nafs is that uh, shaitan only attacks you one way. And if you say, you're sort of knocking him away. But your nafs might still want it. And a way you can tell that it's your nafs and not shaitan is your nafs is going to keep trying to attack you from different ways. So let's say you really, really want to steal a pen. Like, you know, you've wanted that particular pen your, your whole life. And so shaitan's like, oh man, you're like that pen, steal a pen. And you say, I don't want the pen. But then you start rationalizing. You're like, you know, if I get that pen, uh, my handwriting is going to become so much better. Or if I get that pen, I'm never going to steal anything ever again. Or if I get that pen, people are going to notice it and think I'm really awesome. Notice it's like all like different kinds of explanations and ideas. That's nafs. Where shaitan is usually just, you know, singular focus, steal the pen. And so the nafs is going to keep, keep on trying to feed you with different ways to, to get you to steal the pen, to justify stealing the pen. To the point that it'll, it'll even try to make you feel like it's good for you. What else? That is all I have. Okay, inshallah, very good. And so for next time, uh, we'll do sort of falak. Uh, a lot of it will be repetition. Uh, and so cover it whatever way you'd like, inshallah. Uh, but this was really good. You went through every single paragraph. And then... Um, we can either meet next week, even though it's Thanksgiving, or we can postpone until we're back in school. It's your call entirely, or you can let me know later. Um, I'd like to meet next week. It's not going to be out of town doing anything. So I feel like it'll be helpful. 
it. So if you're available. Yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna do anything either. All righty. No other questions or anything? Um what do you do with the recordings? I'll just put them on SoundCloud and then they'll benefit other people. People will go through. I like that you have a SoundCloud. Yeah, yeah, you have no idea how many of your MSA schoolmates have been ripped on me because of a SoundCloud. So yeah, whenever it's ready, I'll post it probably sometime later on today or something. Cool. No other questions? Right. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu illa ilaha illa anta nastan fibika one or two we like. Right. May Allah Ta'ala reward you inshallah and then we'll talk to you next week inshallah. Wa alaikum wa rahmatullah.